All right, welcome back to the Chase Most Podcast, taping this on a Tuesday night. John Taylor back in the building, back in New York City, back in the, the room with the skyline that all the folks over on YouTube.com slash Chase Most Podcast get to enjoy each and every week. John, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I like it. That was I didn't know that there was. I don't know where there. that I don't know where that came from either. It it felt very like like I just clocked into a therapy session. I'm just like I'm mm-hmm. feeling good. Yeah. How do you feel about that, John? I'm not sure yet, but mm-hmm. I have to imagine it has something to do with my parents. So there you go. Um, well, John, thank you as always for joining the program. I greatly appreciate it. We have to start uh, with look. A lot of folks talking about uh, who made the All Star team, who didn't make the All Star team. Something that's just still weird to me that I've been thinking about all week is Ian Happ is an all-star, which is just someone who follows baseball. It's just one of those weird things where I see it and I'm just like, that's odd. I never thought I would see Ian Hop all-star and just seeing like the star next to his baseball reference page going forward. I'm sure this is not uh, the common uh, response to seeing the all-star rosters uh, put out there. I mean, Alejandro Kirk is probably the, the number one pick of guys. I don't think anyone around the league thought would ever be an all-star, much less an all-star starter. Um, but I don't know. I think we have to, like, for me, that just is what jumped out the jumped off the page the most. It's just that, like, man, Ian Happ, what a year for him. And he's a he's an all-star. What, did you have a similar guy that jumped off the page to you? Uh, yeah, like, oh, I was, was going to say, is, is your, if yours is Ian Happ, um, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I really don't pay attention to who makes the all-star team at this point just because it doesn't matter to me at least personally and um well yeah it just doesn't matter to me um <laughs> that's just that's a weird way to put it i think but like i definitely like you see the name luis arias on the all-star team you're like mm-hmm. and it's not even a thing where it's like 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 hap like kirk it's like no he deserves to be there he's had a great season but i i cannot mm. imagine. actually no jose trevino no all-star it's just mind-blowing mm. like that that I, you could you could have pulled a hundred pretty <laughs> hardcore baseball fans at the start of the mm-hmm. season and been like, who is, who is Jose Trevino and where is he playing? And you would have gotten a lot of blank stares. Mm-hmm. That dude was just another anonymous catcher um, only in, te- only in New York because their original backup Ben Rortvet uh, hurt himself in spring training and actually hasn't, uh, hasn't even played the season yet because he had a, uh, suffered another injury while rehabbing his first injury. Trevino was pretty much, I think, like an end of spring training pickup by the Yankees or during spring training pickup to be the backup starter um, or the backup catcher. Rather, he's been great for them. He's been great defensively. He's been un- he's been weirdly good offensively. Like, does that translate into like, does, do I expect him to do this again? No, I think this is one of those like Brian LaHare type situations where it's like a guy has a good half. He's pop like. He like Trevino, I think, was second or third in the in the fan voting a catcher, which is also very fun mm-hmm. to me. Um, but I mean, there are guys like that, or like Garrett Cooper, who's the injury replacement for Bryce Harper. I think where you probably were like, really, Garrett Cooper is an all star now? Okay, like if you told me before the season that Paul Blackburn, Jorge Lopez, Garrett Cooper, Jose Trevino, and Luis Araya and Luis Arias were all going to be all stars, be like, what happened to the great majority? Like, did did a lot of players? die like what happened and like mm. they all i think are deserving all-star selections but yeah there, there always are a few names like that where you're like you know they're the guys who you expect to be there like like vlad and altuve and judge and trout and then they're always like a handful of dudes who's like oh well you've just had a crazy half season 
and and I think in some cases too, like in Blackburn's there because there needs to be an athletics pitcher there, like Lopez mm-hmm. there or an athletic there. Lopez is there because you need to have an Oriole. And like, um, but yeah, Hap. I mean, the, the thing with Hap is like I would have expected him to make an All Star team at some point because he's all he was always a pretty highly rated prospect. He finished, you mm-hmm. know, he's always been a, a kind of central piece for this Cubs team. He's finally now performing the way I think the Cubs have long been expecting him to perform back at the mm-hmm. level he was at in 2019 and and again in 2020, although both of those, I mean, 2020 was obviously short because it was a pandemic season. 2019, I believe, Hap got injured. He only played 58 games. So they haven't really seen this level of full season excellent mm-hmm. from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's 27 years old. He's in his prime. He's had a great offensive season. He's cut down a lot on the strikeouts. He's doing a lot more damage within the strike zone. So um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. that There always are a handful of guys where you look at them and go, like you're supposed to be there, but mm. really, like again, Jose Trevino, something where I was looking at, like you know, the rest of the catchers in the league to be like, you know, did anyone get snubbed necessarily? It's like, well, no, because like on the one hand, I, I but it's like no, it's like because Jose Trevino feels like a legitimate choice. He's had a great season. You know, I, I don't necessarily know that I would have picked him to be on the All Star team if I had the choice, but you know, I there's you know seems like a perfectly fine dude to be there. Yeah, I think it's just with Hap, it was like you said, he's at 27, he's putting it all together and he's deserving now. But I think at a certain point, you're like, okay, maybe he just, he's just, yeah, I mean, be... like if, if you told me last year that it's like Ian Hap will be an all star next year, it's like, okay, that seems plausible, but at the same time, not likely given how, right. you know, how mediocre he's been for the most part throughout his career, except for in small bursts here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, Strong I, I, I Nick like... Markakis energy where he was just going to be on a roster and be solid <laughs> and be a veteran presence for 25 years in this league. Yeah, you know? and I mean, it will be interesting, too, because I, I do wonder if Hap sticks around on the Cubs mm-hmm. after or, you know, through the deadline because, you know, they're they're floundering. They're pretty bad. And he is a guy who could bring a decent amount back as a, you know, as a functional outfielder who's hitting well and as someone who, you know, only has a year a year and a half of uh, team control left before he becomes a free agent. You know, I, I don't know that the Cubs want to pay him whatever it is, you know, they, they think they would need to pay him in order to get him to stick around. But yeah, I mean, it's, but this is the thing that like, he was a top 10 draft pick back in the day. Like this is, I, this is obviously not an ironclad rule, but it's like, if you're a top 10 draft pick and you make it to the majors, it's like, there's a pretty good, like you, there's probably an expectation that at some point down the road, you're going to run, you're going to end up on an all-star team because that's you know part of why you were drafted is to be an all-star caliber player. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I mean, Dancy Swanson, all-star, like that's someone I've been, I've been telling folks where I'm like, I've never been more like great season. And we're taping this as the Braves and uh, Mets uh, start uh, game two here, but uh, I will be jumping into that from the beginning after this. Mm-hmm. Um, the perks of DVR uh, when doing, you want me to give you score updates? No, I don't game? John. That's actually okay. not what I want. Um, right. What? Not one bit. Um, where it's like the Dansby all-star it, it's like, Oh, it's a contract year. Uh, you don't say that the, the Dansby payday that he's going to get from the Braves this winter is just be very special. Um, I, especially cause I, I also, I don't know off the top of my head who the best shortstop available in the market would be. I guess it depends on whether or not Correa opts out. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if he does like, I mean, in no universe would Dansby Swanson get the same money that Carlos Correa would anyway. But mm-hmm. oh, sorry. Excuse me. I forgot Trey Turner is going to be a free agent next year too. Yeah. So um, Trey Turner, possibly Carlos Correa, but I, I definitely think Swanson can, as the you know, very much the third best shortstop on the market. Really, the only 
because the the drop off after him is very steep to Didi Gregorius, and then it gets even worse after that. Amazingly, so you know if you're if you're looking for a shortstop this winter and you don't want to pay what Turner and Correa are going to be asking, Swanson is a pretty good consolation. I mean, he's younger than all three of those guys too. I think, or and he he's might from be, Atlanta. He might be. He the same doesn't want to go anywhere. So the it's just I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And I think the Braves are going to spend a lot of money to keep him on a long contract in Atlanta. And I just, the guy is on a great run. He's kept this thing moving. He's part of the reason the Braves are two and a half back right now from the Mets in the NL East race. Great defender, but he is not a star over the long haul. He's someone who's solid. Like he is a solid shortstop. Like he is someone who you want in your lineup for the duration of your prime. That's fine, but that number in years, I just think, is not going to age well. And I think he's I mean, no, still no. going to be more of who he was as a hitter, especially to start this year. Like he was rough out of the gate to start this year, and he's figured a lot of stuff out. But man, there are a lot of play appearances in Atlanta that still tell a different kind of story. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm very nervous about what the final number in years for Dansby's. Uh, contract in Atlanta is going to be in the winter. Yeah, and, and and that's understandable. Like especially given that, like you know, like you said, this is you know he had a rough start to the season. He wasn't particularly good last year. You know, mm. there have been some bumps along the road. And I mean, no free agent contract does any team really you know win at the end of it. They're all they're all messes by the end. But um, mm. yeah, if nothing else, Swanson has guaranteed himself a very nice payday. So there's that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, the Braves also did a strange trade, uh, John, where they traded for the number 35 pick in uh, next week's draft. Uh, the Braves are going all in. They move Waters and Hoffman and uh, I think another pick to be named later to the Kansas City Royals. Um, Drew Waters was just perpetually blocked and had really fallen off a little bit in AAA. Uh, he gets to go to change the scenery in Kansas City. Hoffman's probably a starter, a back-end starter at some point in his career. So pretty good value for Kansas City. They get a change of scenery guy with high upside in waters and potential starter uh, in a couple of years in Hoffman. But uh, I don't know. This is kind of interesting because, John, I, I just I don't know what to do because it could be Kumar Rocker they're, they're prepping for. They want that to see if he slips because some teams just can't get a read on the medicals. Or could it be Blade? Could it be my guy? Could it be a Tennessee volunteer they're, they're looking at here? Could it be a Blade Tidwell situation? I Do I have to prepare for a Tennessee volunteer to get drafted to the Braves, this number 35 spot? It is a situation that I was not expecting to be in, but now I have to be locked in in the draft next week, the early part. I have to see what they do with the 35. Like This is just kind of a weird trade, but has me extremely fascinated about what Alex Anthopoulos does with this. Yeah, I mean, it's weird just because, in part, uh, the competitive balance picks are the only draft picks that you can trade for whatever particular reason i've never particularly i've never fully understood why mlb doesn't have full draft pick trading mm. um i'm sure there is a good reason why probably maybe somehow somewhere <laughs> but i've never i've never heard it um mm. i mean on the on balance it, it makes sense for atlanta because you have to assume whoever they pick at number 35 will be as good at least on paper a prospect as uh, the best prospect going out in this trade, Waters. Mm. And like you said, he was blocked. Uh, Michael Harris's ascension pretty much, I think, ended any real chance of of Waters mm. becoming a fixture in Atlanta at any point going forward. Uh, given they already have, especially given for this year, they already have Acuna in right, Harris in center, and uh, left field being Rosario and Duvall and Marcelo Zuno float in there somewhere at some point. Mm. 
Um, there was really no path to playing time for him. And it does seem like he kind of stalled out within the system. You know, always a very high upside or high risk, high, high reward prospect with a big ceiling, but a very low floor given his swing and miss issues. Um, definitely makes sense for Kansas City. They all, they very much always love their toolsy outfielders. Um, mm-hmm. And they have, you know, obviously with Andrew Benintendi, very likely to be traded by the deadline. Maybe Michael A. Taylor as well. They're going to have uh, reps available in the outfield. Which and it, it makes sense too. They're going to be giving those spots to Edward Olivares, to uh, Kyle Isbell. Now Waters becomes part of that group to see, you know, if that's someone they can count on for 2023 and going forward. Uh, the other thing of it for the Braves is that number 35 pick has a slot value of just over two million dollars. I believe two point or one or two million dollars. Can't remember exactly how much. I'm just going to look it up right now. Uh, two point two million dollars, mm. which means now that their bonus pool is that much bigger. So if they want to go with an under slot guy um, with their with their first pick, which I believe is number twenty two overall, twenty two or twenty four. No, number twenty overall. Um, mm. And they want to target a guy over slot in that number thirty five pick. Maybe a guy who slides because of signability concerns. Maybe it's a guy like Rocker. Whatever it happens to be, they have a little extra money that they can put toward that pick or toward a pick maybe in the second round or in the third round, again, for another overslot guy. So in that sense, it also makes plenty of sense for Atlanta if they feel like not only are they going to get about as good a prospect out of this eventually as they get as they let go of in waters, but it does give them some more room during the draft if a guy starts sliding um, for them to, you know, or if a guy or if they notice a team trying to, you know, trying to float uh, an overslot signing back or a signability guy toward the back for an over for an overslot signing, maybe they can jump in and poach it. Either way, I, I think it makes sense for both teams. Um, and I think it's but it, it definitely is an interesting strategy on Atlanta's part. And it does make me wonder what this what the draft would look like if you were allowed to trade picks. Like, would it make for a more interesting overall experience? Because we know like MLB is hell bent always on trying to make the draft a capital T thing, uh, televising it, broadcasting it, like trying to make it an event that people watch. And it doesn't really work that way because that's just not. It, it is just so fundamentally different a process from how the NFL and NBA drafts work in terms of not just the players involved, but also the timeline for those guys to be, you know, productive major leaguers. But, you know, I, again, like I, I don't know the reason why draft pick trading is not allowed. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm sure there is a reason. I just don't know it, but it, it, it is to curious. save ownership from themselves. <laughs> Probably. But it, it is curious to me that those competitive balance picks are the ones that can be traded, especially because mm-hmm. given the competitive balance round is its own kind of silly. Like St. Louis gets competitive balance round picks because by MLB's formula, they are a small market team, which makes absolutely no sense. So, well, I don't know. St. Louis, the population has been declining every single at, year for a long time. But at the same time, St. Louis is a major metro with one team. Like it, it especially in St. Louis, and St. Louis is not, I think, what one would consider a typical small market team. They run big payrolls, they make big mm-hmm. signings. They're they're a perennial contender. You know, my understanding best fans of baseball. People forget best fans of baseball. My mm-hmm. understanding is if you're going to have a competitive balance round or whatever it is you want to call it, like ostensibly that's for teams that are small and struggling. You know, you're giving extra picks to Oakland or Tampa. Well, I mean, Tampa's not struggling, but like, uh, <laughs> let's not do that. Let's not give Tampa. No, but and then, then yeah. it's I, I just think it tends to be it, well, it just ends up being a really like, um, what's the word? Uh, selective kind of process of like, well, who actually counts as like a you know who 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 deserves competitive balance round picks, but. Mm-hmm. Either way, um, but for the move itself, yeah, it, it makes sense for both sides. And I, too, will be interested to see what Atlanta does with it. 
Um, it's never a bad idea to give yourself more first round picks, especially if the cost is just a handful of prospects who you've looked at and gone, eh, we're probably not going to be able to use you guys for anything else. They have intel on somebody. They have intel that someone's going to fall. And I don't know yeah, who it that, is. That, I would not be surprised if that's the case if they think that there's a guy who's going to slide because of signability mm-hmm. issues or or whatever other issue that they think they can grab uh, with the number with that third number 35 pick maybe over slot. That's what I'm betting on. And I'm just very excited to see who it is. Hopefully it's a Tennessee volunteer. That'd be fun. Oh. Also, Rocker would just be fun. Like that would just be. Rocker, uh, I mean, that's going to be the most fat. I mean, I, I'm not up on the draft. I have no idea who is, you know, who the number one guy this year is going to be. I have no idea about any Drew of Jones, name. baby. Oh, Andrew's right. son. Andrew's Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to feel super old the entire <laughs> time. Great. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred McGriff Jr. going number two. Uh, Keith Lockhart Jr. going number three. No, I'm just kidding. Already, like, Matt Holiday's kid is going to get drafted, which is mind-blowing to me. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Jackson Holiday. Jackson Holiday. I, I, I hope mean, he's as ripped as his dad is because, man, his dad is just like... That dude had, like, cannonballs for biceps. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not a draft guy, so I haven't been following as yeah. to, you know, who the, the names or whatnot are, but, um, yeah, I, I will be very interested to see what happens with rocker after what happened with the Mets last year. Um, after it, it also seems like, like you said, like no team really seems sure about his medicals and how mm-hmm. healthy his arm actually is. So that'll be really interesting to see as well. But yeah, if, if it is Drew Jones, number one, uh, who has a number one pick this year? That's a good question. Who does that? Arizona, I believe. I think that's right. Arizona sounds right. Um, it'll be draft order. I'm curious. I think it's Arizona. Or is it's, it Baltimore? Baltimore? Or is it Baltimore? So, Drew Jones, future Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, Arizona is too. Absolutely okay. ancient. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I really, <laughs> I really am going to be interested to see what happens with Rocker, especially like, you know, yeah, it's also just a, a tough situation for him generally. Like, it's wild to me that the dude was drafted last year, didn't get signed, and then doesn't immediately become a free agent after that. He has to go through this whole stupid process again. Like that, how, play how indie that ball. Work? Yeah, yeah, and he had to go play indie ball up in Tri City and uh, up in upstate. So the Tri Cities over there in East Tennessee, John Taylor, the Tri Cities. Uh, you know, uh, he, he got to eat a lot of pals. You got to eat pals, a local cheeseburger and fry joint, kind of like an in and out for East Tennesseans. The real ones know. I like how East Tennessee has its own in and out. That's, that's they do. Isn't it great? Hey, it just means more down here. John Taylor, um, MLB all-star snubs and, uh, for your best story. Like I want to get the two-parter here. So who do you think when you look at the list, who do you think is the biggest snub where you're like, he's had an all-star year and it, bums me out i feel like i have an idea of where you're going with that and also who do you think is the best all-star story this year snub you know I, this is the other thing too for me about all-star stuff where with the snub stuff where it's like there are no real all-star snubs because any of these dudes who misses is almost certainly going to end up on the roster anyway because of uh as an injury replacement or to replace a yeah. pitcher who throws on sunday or whatever it happens to be like very very few guys who get snubbed don't end up making the all-star roster anyway. Oh, Jock Peterson is on here. I don't know why I thought he wasn't. Yeah, Jock's um, on. Yeah, I, I, when I was looking at these rosters earlier, I completely uh, just missed him entirely. Um, I think the ones that stand out to me in terms of guys who aren't there, who I'm surprised are not there, are Freddie Freeman and Jose Breu, both as first basemen, mm-hmm. um, which 
in both cases, I think just the simple numbers game of that each team needs to have one representative kind of got them. And in Freeman's case, the fact that CJ Crone is the only Rockies player who seems to have any real all-star credentials uh, mm. meant that there was, I, they weren't going to make room for a third first base or sorry, a fourth first baseman after that, given that Pete Alonso yeah. is also on this team uh, in Freeman or sorry, in, in Abreu's case, I think it's that, you know, he lost that spot probably to Luis Arias, who I imagine is there both because he's had a great season and because he's a little more flexible defensively. Uh, Andrew Benintendi having to be there for Kansas City probably doesn't help either. It meant they had to carry, you know, because I don't think there's any other Royals player except maybe Bobby Witt Jr. who would have been under consideration. It helps his trade value though, right? Like, hey, do you want this all-star? Value. Do you want this all-star Andrew Benintendi? You thought we are going to get some good value here. No, this the is fun, an all-star. The funniest thing to me about all of this is that Albert Pujols being at the all-star game as a legacy pick is going to cost the Cardinals like $150,000 in <laughs> bonuses that they almost certainly never thought they were going to have to pay. And I mm-hmm. really, really like the idea of Cardinals ownership, like just like calling Rob Manfred and being like, you just screwed us out of 200,000 bucks. Thanks, you mother. Like, I, I can isn't it also that. sad? I don't think that's a happy story. I don't no, think this I, goes I, well. Like, I, why I do mean, you want to do this if you're pull holes? I'm of two minds about this. The yeah. one side of it is that Albert Pujols and the other legacy pick, Miguel Cabrera, right. are two of the greatest right-handed hitters literally of all time. Mm-hmm. We are so blessed and lucky to have watched their careers. They are incredible hitters. They are uh, incredible ambassadors for the game, both for the Dominican Republic and for Venezuela. They are, mm-hmm. They've been mentors to countless baseball players throughout their careers. They're awesome. I love that they're getting uh, a, you know, a spotlight send-off in a way that especially Cabrera isn't going to get because of how bad Detroit is mm-hmm. and in a way that Pujols probably shouldn't be getting because he's been awful. Mm-hmm. But then that's the other side of it is that Pujols has been pretty bad this year. Cabrera has been fine. <laughs> not the, Definitely not the Miggy of old. He's got a, a batting average around or a little over 300, thanks in part to some really high batting average on balls in play. It's also kind of weird because ultimately, you know, they'll, they'll, I assume they'll get some kind of ovation. I don't know if there's anything planned for the league to recognize them specifically, either during or before the game. But ultimately, it just is going to amount to, oh, cool, like here's one at bat from each of them where they're both going to ground out to shortstop. Yeah, because unless they get unless they unless they get a jeter and they get grooved to pitch, Ooh. in which case they'll pop it up the center like mm-hmm. th- these guys are on them on the sheer merits of what they've done this year. They do not deserve to be at the all star game. Mm-hmm. But then that turns into the whole big question of, OK, well, what do you want the all star game to be? Is it is it a legends contest where you just get all the players like all the, the, the best Hall of Fame caliber players? Is it the guys who are best in the first half? Is it just stars? Is it something where it's like, you know, I don't want Luis Arias there. I want Jose Abreu. Like, and like, I think it's different for every person as to what you want the all-star team to be. But it does mean that building the all-star team is that much more complicated because you're kind of trying to serve all of those various interests. You want the stars there, but you also want the guys who've had great first halves to be recognized. But you also want the legends to be there because people aren't going to tune into the game if it's if it's people if it's players that they don't recognize. But you also mm. want to make sure the young players are there because that's important. <laughs> but it, and it, it just gets more and more complicated because of that. And like, granted, like these are two extra roster spots that were made up simply because Cabrera and Pujols exist. Like this is literally mm. on Rob Manfred's authority. So the other like. Ultimately, I, I can't feel too like strongly about it one way or the other because they're not taking all-star spots away from anyone. I think it'd be one thing if they had just been shoved onto these rosters at the expense yeah. of somebody else. But if they're basically just each there as an extra player, fine, whatever. Honestly, I'm more annoyed about Pujols being in the home run derby because he definitely does not deserve to be in the home run derby. 
right. dude is washed as hell. I don't want to watch his 41-year-old ass hit pop-ups to kids in the outfield. But yeah. ultimately, I just don't know why it's a competitor. And as like one of the best of all time, you'd want to do that. Like, I don't because, think you I want... Mean, I, these I think these guys want I I mean look they're they're professional athletes which means they also have egos the size of planets like they want to be recognized for their accolades well you know? they need to be recognized and also not do the whole look at how old I am and look at how tough this is for me to but, do what I, I used think, to do I think the thing is like while they can certainly recognize that they have age and that they are not the same guy or player that they used to be that mm-hmm. doesn't mean in their mind that they're finished or done or or whatever like I would guarantee if you were to talk to Pujols, he would say, I'm not retiring because I don't think I can hit major league pitching anymore. I'm retiring because I'm 41 years old and my feet are basically cracked cement blocks. Like, yeah, you know, same with Miguel Cabrera, where it's like my the lower half of my body literally doesn't work anymore. Like if it did, I mean, the dude's still hitting around 300. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. if you if you sat him down to be like, of course, I can still hit major league pitching. I'm hitting 300. Yeah, like these guys don't think of themselves in that way as like broken down or like, oh, this is embarrassing to be out here as an old man. If anything, they're probably thinking, yeah, this is where I deserve to be. I've been an all star 15 times or whatever in my career. I'm going to the Hall of Fame first ballot like Pujols is basically getting. I mean, it's not a Jeter level send off, which the funny part to me is Pujols is 10 times the player Derek Jeter ever was. But, Mm. you know, and then that's ultimately the thing. It's like I got no problem if we want to take a little bit of time during this marquee event that the whole I mean, the whole point of the all star game is let's celebrate baseball. Mm-hmm. And for as much as like it's kind of weird to celebrate these dudes and they're like Willie Mays on the Mets stage of their career. Like it's also a moment to be like, let's celebrate the careers of two of the greatest hitters ever, 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 ever out of the thousands upon thousands of, of players in Major League Baseball history. These are two of like the 50 best ever. Mm-hmm. that's really cool to me like i i and i think i think what separates the two from the jeter stuff is like we were just force fed all the jeter stuff jeter's starting jeter's gonna hit lead off jeter, 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 I, who cares who fucking cares but i i like the idea though that we get a nice little moment to say goodbye to albert pujols and miguel cabrera especially because we're definitely not seeing cabrera in the postseason mm-hmm. and we may or may not see pujols i mean honestly i if it weren't for the fact he was retiring i don't know that the cardinals would keep him on their roster the entirety of the season he's not Mm. really worth it he is a platoon bat against lefties who cannot play the field really in any capacity you know that that's if anything like the the all-star game is where they should be as opposed to just you know grinding out at bats for a team that's going nowhere and or just being a bench bat for a car for the cardinals like as a kind of deployable like Oh, hey, the fans are getting restless. Let's get Albert up so that they can have something to cheer for. You know, I mean, I, so ultimately, I got no problem with it. I don't know if it's like my favorite story of them all. I mean, story-wise, you, I've, I always lean toward the dudes like like Trevino or Arias or Alejandro Kirk mm-hmm. or, you know, or the fact that the Contreras brothers are both going to be there, which is very, That's my favorite. Cool. I, I love that. I always love when you get stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the you know the when the alomar brothers did it you always love mm. when like i know i don't know if C, if griffey senior and junior ever played in an all-star game together um but obviously loved it when they did it uh for in actual games you know julio rodriguez being there is so cool like all the all the young guys get to be there julio rodriguez jazz chisholm if he actually gets if he's healthy enough to play um ty france oh <laughs> Ty France didn't even make it. He's a he's a reasonable yeah. snub candidate too. I think. Well, it's First also like he went from borderline player. starter to just not making the team. Yeah, and I part of me like part of me just wonders if first base is just kind of impossible to get everyone in there because those guys just cannot play any other position for the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing really you can do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, like Paul Goldschmidt's going to get his at bat or two. 
or, or I guess uh, uh, AL. I guess I'll do the AL. Vlad Jr. will get his at bat or two, mm. and then they'll plug in um, presumably Arias. I mean, I, Abreu is a little harder to understand than Freeman. I, I don't really get why there wasn't room for Abreu. Um, mm. It's not a, it's not a huge deal, I think. Ultimately, like, and and just looking at other guys, we're just purely by the numbers. Where it's like, oh, who got you know who feels like a snub? I think uh, Dylan Cease not being there is a little strange to me. Uh, Shane hmm. Bieber as well. I thought they were they were both had very good. I mean, Shane Bieber just threw a ninety five pitch complete game today, and but again, I, I think this is something where you know you don't have room for Dylan Cease and Shane Bieber because you have to take Gregory Soto and Jorge Lopez, and this is I think the biggest thing about the All Star game where it this is the one I think that just makes the all-star game such a complicated thing with regards to rosters. If you have to have one dude from every team, you're invariably inevitably going to have snubs because Mm -hmm. there's just not enough. Those rosters are not big enough for you to have everyone who deserves to be there. Plus a representative from every single team. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I I've argued for a while now. I think I wrote a piece about it a a few years ago to SI that you should just get rid of that rule. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't particularly get I understand that the idea for Major League Baseball is we want all the fans to tune in and we want every fan to feel like there's someone there for them. It's like, do you really think Orioles fans <laughs> are going to tune into this game on the 10 percent chance Jorge Lopez pitches? Do you mm-hmm. think whatever A's fans still exist really care that Paul Blackburn is there? Especially it's like I, I would be it would be one thing. It was one thing, too. And it was like, oh, the Orioles lone representative is Manny Machado. It's like, OK, he deserves to be there, which is mm-hmm. not to say Paul, Paul Blackburn, Jorge Lopez don't deserve to be there or anything like that. But these aren't guys who move the needle in any direction one way or the other. Same with Gregory Soto. Same with CJ Crone. Same with Joe Mantiply. Same with, um, you know, the the number of other guys from last place teams, David Bednar, uh, you know, who are here not because of anything necessarily they did, but in, but mostly because they just need to have someone here from this one particular team. And I don't know. I mean, if you want to make a more fair all-star team, then I think that is, and you want to, you know, reduce the number of snubs, then I think that is the, that is where you start is saying, okay, we don't have to have someone from every team here anymore. And just trust that fans are going to want to tune in regardless, because they're going to get to see all the best players in major league baseball in one place, taking one single at bat before they go sit down, which I think is the other kind of funny thing too. It's like, it's the all-star game. There's nothing really you can do to juice these numbers, you know? People either are interested in the concept or are not, and there's no real way I think you're going to get those who aren't interested to tune in all of a sudden. I think there are, there are ways you could do it where it's like, I like when when the NBA went to like a, a, a playground style, like pick them for their rosters. I would love to see that in baseball because these are some of the pettiest human beings alive, <laughs> and I would love to see the grudges that come out of that. Tommy um, Pham and Jock Peterson get to pick this year's. Yeah, it's Processors. like, what if what if instead of just the regular All-Star game, which I think also most people admit is pretty boring, it's a regular baseball game with a lot of substitutions that are hard to keep track of, where mm-hmm. players are playing at like 75% effort. Like, why not just have it be some kind of Sandlot game? Mm. You know? Or have it be something where it's like uh, uh, like the NBA does. Does the NBA still do this? The World versus Team USA? No. Not a thing anymore? No? Okay. No. Uh, they have the rookie sophomore thing though right Still. they do that's the world that's the that's it where it's like that's, uh, that's world I, versus I USA. Think that would be even cooler. i mean honestly my dream for the all-star game is you scrap it completely and you turn it into a mini wbc mm-hmm. you have a team usa and then like three world teams i guess dr uh puerto, puerto rico, rico and yeah. venezuela venezuela i suppose i may i don't know if there are enough players to fill that out but mm-hmm. yeah you just have a sandlot style exhibition like where you just these guys play each other it's like that to me feels more in the spirit of like something different and special. Cause like 
and this is the other part, and this is something that, you know, MLB can't really avoid. The fact that we do have interleague play all, all year round now, as opposed to it being first something that didn't exist and then something that only happened for like one or two weekends at a time and then is now uh, omnipresent. There's not that same feeling of like, oh, this is a dude I never get to see. Mm-hmm. You know, this is someone who it's like, oh, man, like I get to, I remember even as late as 2013 when Matt Harvey was making that all-star game start and he was pitching to peak Miguel Cabrera. It's like this is this is never going to happen again in the season mm-hmm. unless the Mets and the Tigers meet in the World Series which I think was very much not a possibility. Oh, the <laughs> Tigers could have, the Mets couldn't have. Mm. Um, regardless, like that just doesn't exist anymore because these guys see each other all the time now. And maybe so it's I, just like picking in the right location, like maybe doing it at Cooperstown, like building a stadium for that, sure. like doing I mean, the venue maybe. Cooperstown already during the Hall of Fame induction weekend has a Legends game mm. of sports. I mean, or, yeah, I saw an idea online the other day that instead of having the very boring and stupid celebrity softball game that nobody mm. watches, but then MLB puts an absurd amount of energy into like promoting <laughs> and, and, and airing, have that be, have that be a legend softball game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we, we can stretch the definition of legend. It doesn't have to be all Hall of Famers. Most of those guys are very old at this point. But, you know, let have some recently retired players come back. Let have them play a, a, an, an all-star team. You know, I, I just think that they're... I mean, this is a little this is a little far afield from like snubs and best stories and whatever, but it just that's the kind of stuff that just gets me thinking. Like, is this really like why does the All Star Game have to be this one way every time? You know, where it just feels like I mean, look how look how look how much good was done by changing up the home run derby format. Everyone Mm -hmm. was tired as hell of the home run derby. They changed the format and instantly with like this that same year and from every point forward it's been probably the best part of all-star weekend or all-star week Hmm. by far you know and it probably will be again this year um the all-star game just can't really compare and i think i mean the nba has a similar thing i think where the dunk contest inevitably overshadows the all-star game itself because that all-star game has the same problem as this all-star game which is these guys playing against each other is not a novelty no one is trying particularly hard and you, you're not even going to see the stars that much. You know, I, I guess you get it more in the NBA All-Star game because those guys are playing at 15 or 20 minutes total versus like, you know, you might get to see one or two Vlad Jr. at bats before he's pulled from the game. You mm-hmm. know, you're going to get one single inning of Sandy Alcantara, one single inning of Clayton Kershaw, one single inning of uh, whoever starts the game for the American League uh, or, you know, and, and their side of things like I don't necessarily know how you fix that. I don't know if there, that is a thing necessarily to be fixed, but it does just feel like, look, no one's th- this format does feel kind of stale. You're not really, I'm sure viewership numbers have been down, although that's true for every, every live sports thing. I'm sure they're going to continue to be down. Like, you know, maybe there's a way to freshen this up and at the same time, make it so that, you know, and part of that might just be, Hey, let's just get rid of this. Every team needs a representative rule. It's mm-hmm. silly. Like, and it, and again, no offense to guys like Joe Mantiple or Jorge Lopez, but they're not why people are watching the All-Star game. I don't think owners are going to sign off on that. And I, Sure, that's fair. They like, want their team represented. They don't want do years. They, Can I you mean, imagine is, just years of no Orioles and no... Like, what does that matter to the Angelos family or to or to Ken Kendrick or to... or to uh, What's his stupid name? Bob Nutting. Mm-hmm. If there's not a, I mean, okay, fine. That's one less Jersey they can sell because they don't have a David Bednar all-star Jersey available in the pirates team store. How many yeah. people are actually buying the David Bednar all-star? Well, I think it's something you want to say, and it's like something you bring up on broadcast. It's something that fans latch on to come see all-star X. Uh, but the, the, the thing to me is like fans already latch onto the voting. Like we saw what blue Jays fans did. They put uh, three starters on this team four. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, did Bichette make it as the as the shortstop? No, he got beat out by Tim Anderson. Who um, did, should not be on there. Bichette's type pretty. Uh, he's been okay. I think shortstop is probably one of those places where. I mean, on the one hand, I have no problem with Tim Anderson being on the all-star team. He's very, yeah. very cool and rules. Um, on the other hand, I think you can definitely make a case that if you're going purely by at least 2022 performance, if that's what you want to, you know, make a, if that's what you want to go with, mm-hmm. you could probably make a better case for like Corey Seager or Bo Bichette. But that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's really hard to get worked up about any of this just because and that's the thing. I don't. There are no egregious choices here. Nor, nor does it feel like there's someone where it's like, "Hey, why is this dude not here?" I don't. I mean, I don't mm. know if you feel similar that there's like a, a, a name or two that stands out where it's like, "Hey, wait, where are these guys?" Right. I don't know, and I'm also just like not the person to like pontificate about any of this because i hate the all-star game and all-star games across the board where i don't watch them an event that i'm probably not even going to watch like exactly that's why i just think it's funny when i i wonder with people in our industry and stuff like that it's like are you going to watch the game do you actually care like i'm just not going to get that worked up about it because all-star stuff is not for me like it's just not my not my deal the the biggest the biggest thing that all-star games impact is some of these guys are going to make some more money on their contract because of award bonuses Right. That's really it. Like the like once they took away the All-Star game determining home field advantage in the World Series, which was a tremendously stupid idea and I'm glad it's gone. Mm. Th- th- this, it just became an exhibition again and there's nothing wrong with it being an exhibition. That's it's supposed to be that. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be this, you know, this nice little break in the middle of the summer where you just watch these guys play a fun game together, blah 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 blah. I don't know, but maybe there's also something where it's like imagine if the All-Star game were also that like Iowa uh What's a stupid thing? Field. Imagine if it were the Field of Dreams game too. Yeah, you know I love that though. Hold on, I, I love the Field of Dreams game last year. That was fun. I mean, I thought it was a. I thought it was a cool idea. I thought it was a little weird that we were organizing something that the inherent appeal of was only going to be for like men above the age of like thirty, <laughs> and specifically yeah. like targeted directly at your dad. But hey, like... hold on. I just made the cut there, John. Just made the cut. <laughs> just barely squeaked across. I mean, hey, I and hold on, fiancés in Tennessee, because I will say we were driving back from Atlanta through the country in uh, East Tennessee, and uh, there were some corn stalks and some cornfields we were driving by, and she mentioned that she wanted to run through a cornfield at some point. So, hey, you Did never you know who's in the... You, you would have done that, but you were afraid of running into Ray Liotta's ghost? Hey, it's a real fear to have. It is a very... Many people across this country wake up in, in <laughs> terror, sweating... That the ghost of Ray Liotta is standing over their bed. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Terrifying. Yeah, what a um, legend. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, did you, in looking at these rosters, did you feel like there were any particular snubs? I mean, Ty France is one. It just like it just bums me out for guys like that because I don't think he ever gets in now. I think that was like yeah, a one shot thing point. where that's it's like point. you know he knows that deep down yeah. where it's like that was my shot, and then Julio Rodriguez is going to get a bunch of shots, and he's going to be a multi time All Star, and he's in, and like he's deserving. That's cool. But he's. This was not a one-time thing for him. And Ty France, it just felt like everything yeah, went right I mean, for him this year. It just bums me out for him. That's fair. I think it's fair that like you do have those guys, especially. I mean, France isn't that isn't isn't particularly old, but you do have those dudes where if they're having those great half seasons, who they're not particularly known as stars, they've never had yes. this kind of season before. It is nice to be able to say, "Hey, let's give you a moment." I think similarly, and I, I would not push for his inclusion on on the NL roster, but I think a similar thing is Brandon Drury who's hmm. had a really, really good season for Cincinnati, completely out of nowhere. A dude whose career has been, um, he's had, he suffered a lot of injury problems when he was younger, kind of turned into a quad A utility guy for a while there. It comes out of nowhere to have this great half season. 
you know, do I think that Brandon Drury has suddenly turned into, you know, a, you know, suddenly turned into a different player? No, this is probably a, a, a really hot first half that is probably going to peter out in the second half. But I think in that, in that vein, it's like, it would be nice to be like, Hey, you've had a really great half season. Let's give you an all-star selection. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he still might, he still might be there as a, as an injury replacement anyway, or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying though, that it's like, there are these guys where it's like, you know, I mean, we, we can look back on it afterward and laugh and be like, what was Brian LaHare doing in an all-star game? Like that makes mm-hmm. no sense. But at the same time, it's like, that was a, that was probably the best moment of Brian LaHare's life or at the very least his career. He got to be in an all-star game. That's so cool. And it, it would yes. be nice as you guys like France and Drury get to have that, you know, even if they're just there, even if it's they don't get into the game, they never see an at bat, whatever it happens to be, they don't pitch an inning, you know, but they're just there and they get to know, hey, I was an all star. You know, I, I earned that shit. Um, it's hard, man. It's a lot it's of a lot of talented dudes come up. But that's the, the thing. I, ultimately, yeah. Major League Baseball's problem is there are too many talented players and not enough roster spots, you know, yeah. which is why also I, I, I never really get or not really not never. But like it's also for me, it's like, why well, I don't really buy into the snub thing because no one who is here is not deserving to be here in some capacity or another you know no one has been excluded at the expense of someone lesser it's Mm. just that there are not enough roster spots for all the good players in major league baseball and there aren't enough roster spots like i said to meet all the various desires of all the various people involved in the all-star game as we want our stars but we also want our legends but we also want our young stars we also want someone from every team but you know, it's when you when you have to keep that in mind, it just becomes really impossible to build an entirely representative and fair all star roster for either league. I agree. Uh, John Luis Castillo. Yes. Does he make sense for the Dodgers? And do the Dodgers have enough to throw at Cincinnati to make a deal that would give serious interest to them? Uh, to answer the second question first, yes, the Dodgers have a fantastic farm system. They could afford pretty much anyone they wanted to in that capacity. Um, I'm sure if they told Cincinnati pick three names off this list of guys, <laughs> they would have no problem getting a, getting three names in return. Um, I wouldn't speculate as to who, but I, the, the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers never have trouble coming up with prospects because they're the best player development team in baseball. So on, they can easily afford him if they wanted to. Does he make sense for them? On the one hand, yes, if only because, I mean, that Dodgers rotation behind Kershaw and Rios is a little thin. Um, certainly, jeez, uh, what's his name? I've already just blanked on his Tyler Bueller? Anderson. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're thin in part because Bueller is out for mm. presumably the rest of the year, maybe back in the playoffs. We will see. Um not I as think, a starter, at least. It seems like he's that's over. Yeah, sure. I, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, it's, and especially with a forearm strain, I, I don't really see the Dodgers being all that eager to push him to, to come back mm-hmm. and, and pitch. Especially because, you know, they won the World Series two years ago. I don't think there's necessarily that that driving feeling of we have to win, we have to win, we have to win. Right. Um, I mean, it, it depends how good they feel about, about everything beyond Kershaw, Urias, and NL All-Star and possible All-Star game starter, Tony Gonsolin. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, that's Tyler Anderson and Mitch White who are fine. I mean, you could do worse for the back of a rotation. You maybe could do better, but at the same time, I, I don't think that's something that the Dodgers are, are necessarily too worried about, especially mm-hmm. given that they do have Andrew Haney and Dustin May coming off the injured list at some point, presumably in the second half as, as guys who can help them out. They also have and the minors, they have Ryan Pepio, they have Andre Jackson. Um, you know, they have some guys in, in Jimmy Nelson and Danny Duffy who could maybe, I don't think they would come back as starters, but maybe could give them some level of, uh, well, maybe not. I'd actually, probably not Nelson. He's he's recovering from Tommy John, but uh, who might be able to give them some level of innings at some point. They obviously still have David Price around. So 
I could see the I could see the Dodgers doing it. I think it's just a question of how good do they feel about the current back of the rotation? What are the likely timelines and and projections for for Haney and May if that's something that they're they're uh, banking on and Bueller obviously too. And do they feel like they need an arm more than they need a bat? Given that Chris Taylor is now out, and uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're DHing Jake Lamb right now and playing Gavin Lux and left. The Dodgers are fine; they'll survive that. But it's also a question of would they rather use those resources to get another bat instead? Especially given that Justin Turner has looked pretty slow this year, and Max Muncy just looks like a shell of himself right now. You know, does it make sense for them to add another hitter there to kind of you know give them some more depth and kind of let them bury Muncy and, and Turner a little bit? Yeah, I mean, they have options. Um, they do, and I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if instead of Castillo, they go and get Josh Bell instead, especially because he's only a free agent. They're, they don't have to worry about how to make him work in the mix next year. Um, he's not going to cost very much in either dollars or prospects. Like, you know, he can slot in at DH if they really are committed to, to letting Muncy continue to play. Um, you know, But would you consider locking Bell up long-term if you're Washington? I think that's something you have to consider because... Possibly? John, I mean, like he, we're he, nearing he, a point where Juan Soto has no protection, like absolutely nothing. Well, he, he already, already has more, no protection. It's just right, like he already has more walks and hits. Like I just, if you're locking Juan Soto up long term with a crazy salary, and then you move Bell and you move Nelson Cruz this summer, I just, you thought it was bad for Juan Soto. Now I just, well, I think I don't know what that does to his psyche. What he does, what his, he I, does I to mean, him as a I. Hitter. With no knowledge, admittedly, and no, I, I'm not. This is not coming from any place of, of informed thinking. I would not be surprised if he's already in the place where he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Well, there's no path like to him playing so enjoyable baseball. This, this this Nationals team is quietly a complete train wreck. Yeah, and I mean, I think there there are two ways you can look at it. If you're in the Nationals, one is yes, we do need some kind of core around Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. And in terms of young guys who are under team control for an extended period of time, who would be here through the rest of Soto's prime slash however long we're going to lock him up for, it's a pretty thin list. It's Kybert Ruiz. (laughs) I actually might have run out of names there. Yeah, it's a Mm -hmm. really, really thin list. So and Luis Garcia, I guess, who's been who's been very good since being called up. Mm -hmm. On the other hand. The Nationals farm system may be the worst in baseball. If not, mm-hmm. it's definitely bottom five. It is very, very short on impact prospects. I don't know that trading Josh Bell gets you an impact prospect. I don't think it brings you back like a top 100 guy necessarily. But if it brings you back two dudes who can really like start adding, that's kind of the thing. It's like if you're Washington, do you want to commit long term money to a guy who's turning 30 in August and who's only a first baseman? It's That's like the Baltimore tough. Orioles thing where you just you can't get to so but, bare but bones. At least, the, at least the Orioles like, yeah, the year like the Orioles of yesteryear were as bad as the Nationals are. The mm. Orioles of now, I think you can make a legitimate case that like, no, they should start locking up some of these guys. Oh, yeah. Orioles, I'm talking about the yeah, Orioles from a couple of years ago. Yeah, but that's that the Orioles of a couple of years ago would have traded Josh Bell. The Orioles of this right. year probably are going to try to trade Trey Mancini like. I think when you're as bad as a team is like the Nationals, you can make the argument that like Josh Bell doesn't really do anything for us necessarily in the future. He's Mm -hmm. one more good player, but that one good player is not going to be the difference between us being good or not. We're still going to be bad, not just be bad, but we're going to be bad for the majority of the best years of his contract. By the time we're good again, Josh Bell is going to be a drag financially, Mm -hmm. possibly positionally, if he's not as good a player anymore. He's not going to block anyone, I don't think. I don't think the Nationals necessarily have to worry about that. But I, I guess it's the argument that if you're in the Nationals and you think, hey, the next two years, 
are not going to be a fun time in DC. What's the point of hanging on to these guys if we can flip them and get some more depth for this farm system to start rebuilding? I don't know if that's, I mean, Soto is obviously the big complication there because I think you're right. Like if, you know, if you're trading away the protection he has, I don't know how, how he's going to feel about that. I don't know how, I don't know how you get him to commit when you're basically tearing down the roster around him and saying, Hey, like in two years, we might have something, but boy, is it going to be rough for these next two years? Like, I, I, I don't know how you make that work. I mean, the nationals, this was the inevitable end result of the way the nationals did business for, for a while, which was, you know, the, the, the veterans, the big contracts, the deferred money, like, you know, they got their world series out of it, but this is very much the hangover. That's part of it in part because they're, they failed so badly in building a farm system behind it, you know, it, even beyond what the, what that front, and also this is a front office that for like for a while really, really resisted any kind of teardown move. I think the the big one, obviously everyone remembers is uh, the, the last year of Bryce Harper in DC when you know, there was all the chatter on the deadline or the Nationals going to move Harper or the Nationals going to move Harper. Like they could get a ransom for him if they really wanted to. Instead, they played out the rest of the season with him. He walks in free agency. They don't really get anything out of that. You know, I don't know that they would. I think the rumored deal on the table for a while was Harper for Puig, which would have been fascinating. Yeah, but that's well, I mean, changed I don't, I don't a know. lot I, since then. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't know if you're the Nationals, what the point is of keeping Josh Bell around if you know you're going to be bad in the next couple of years. And I, I've, I've always argued, it's like, no, the whole point of having a good team isn't just to, to win the most efficient way. It's to give the fans something to care about. But I also don't know if Josh Bell really moves the needle in that direction anyway. Like, are Nationals fans going to make their decisions as to buying their 2023 season tickets based on whether or not Josh Bell is there? Seems extremely doubtful. Like... Especially because I, I, again, if this were a... Well, it's not even about that. It's just about Soto. Like, my whole thing is that just, like, everything should revolve around how he's feeling. Like, that's my thing. It's just that, like, hey, what kind of message does that send to Juan that you're moving an all-star kind of guy? And that, I mean, that, that, speaking of all-star snubs, that's a dude where I was like, I don't know how Josh Bell doesn't make the all-star. Right. And Which, that's again, someone... there, there are just too many good first basemen. That's yeah, and I just... I would just be wary of rocking that boat anymore because i mean i think they've already rocked it pretty hard like, yeah that's kind of the thing at a certain point i mean i we also I would just I love mean, to be in the room i guess like get me juan soto and josh bell and washington uh and mike rizzo and Lerner in the room and explain okay we're moving josh bell um we have the worst farm system in baseball uh you're not gonna have any protection so you're gonna get walked uh the rest of the way uh, you are getting nothing to hit for the remainder of the season. You're not going... getting nothing to hit. And yeah, I think and you you're can not... see it with Soto too, that like, yeah, you can see in the way he plays. I think that he's just like, what am I doing here? Like exactly. I'm playing for an awful team that's going nowhere. Like, I mean, the other, I mean, and the other, other problem for the nationals is they're not sure who's going to own this team next year. Yeah. Like it could be the learner family. It could be someone else entirely. Mike Rizzo could still be the GM. He could not be the GM. I know he's under contract for another season, and so is Dave Martinez. Yeah. In part because I think the current ownership just wanted to have that locked down for either themselves or whoever bought the team next. So there's no like need for they don't them. have to hire right away. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but like even if they stay, like if under new ownership, they're lame ducks. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine that neither would be would stick around for the next season after that. Like everything around Soto is going to be changing more likely than not. So in that in that sense, what is Josh Bell in the grand scheme of things? You know, it's just one more change. But ultimately, I I just wonder if at a certain point, the Nationals aren't just starting to prepare for life after Juan Soto. 
if if there isn't an, a decision here, it's like, look, this dude is going to cost $350 million to sign to a long-term deal, if not more than that. Yeah. We don't have the farm system to back him up. We are not big spenders, or at least we probably, um, it depends how new ownership feels slash how the learner family feels, but you know, we're not going to be the Yankees or the Dodgers in terms of going after marquee free agents, probably like, you know, there's not a whole lot of talent on this team right now. You know, can they build around Soto if he's really the only thing there? You know, there's not really a core beyond him. So how John, do you how do you balance that? Say it ain't Soto, John. <sighs> I mean, look, the Angels are having the same conversation theoretically about Shohei Otani. So no, they're printing checks. They don't care. Like this is a whole thing where it's just uh, they're they're having fun. I think yeah, Artie Moreno's getting paid. He doesn't care. Yeah, he's, he's making money. What does he care? Uh, yeah, I don't think he cares. Um, is it going to be weird when you see Andrew Benatende in a uh, Yankees uniform in the second It'll half? It'll be really strange um, for my poor boy, Steve from Stranger Things. Um, mm. There you go. I guess he doesn't have as much the hair anymore. Uh, I mean, I, it's funny because I know the Yankees, I know they've already been uh, from our most reliable trade deadline scoopsters that the Yankees have talked about Benatende and also Michael A. Taylor. I thought you were about uh, to say ball sack sports. No, I love ball sack sports. I really hope they get someone on the deadline. I hope that someone is Jim Bowden. I hope Ralph Ooh. has to Ralph again. Um, they're really good at it, man. Shout out to them. Good. But I, I mean, I can see it for the Yankees, but I mean, the the obvious issue there is what do they do with Joey Gallo? I mean, do they would he be a part of that trade going back just as like ballast in a sense? Like, do they try to deal him somewhere else? You know, I is 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 that something they want to do? I mean, I'm I'm sure they don't want Joey Gallo starting regularly anymore. It, that just has not worked for them, and there's no real sign that things are going to change. Gallo is an extremely streaky hitter. This isn't something where it's like, oh, this is a weird slump. It's like, no, this is just what Joey Gallo does. Just for whatever reason, the good streak hasn't come yet. Um, I guess the other thing is like Ben Intendi is almost certainly the best outfielder available at the deadline, at the very least in terms of guys we know are going to be available. So that means, you know, the Yankees aren't going to be the only ones, you know, fighting for him. I could assume the Phillies will be in on him. Uh, the Padres would make a lot of sense for Benintendi. The White Sox would make a lot of sense for Benintendi. I think Cleveland would be an interesting option um, for him if they want to do that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it won't it won't be just the Yankees involved in this. I'm also curious, too, given that, you know, the Yankees are. They strike me as a team more that wants to get guys who are under control for a little longer. I think if they're going to go after an outfielder, I think Ian Happ is the one that makes the most sense for them. They hmm. have him under control for another year. He does have some some versatility position wise. Um, he's someone who offers a little more overall than Ben Attendi, who's a very much a batting average and kind of uh, not even really defense. I mean, I guess def defensively he's probably better than Happ, but I, it, Ben Attendi's I don't think anyone's idea of a, a you know Byron Buxton out there. So I think I think Benintendi makes more sense for a team like the Phillies. It doesn't really have the prospect capital to get anyone better slash doesn't really want to spend to get anyone better, but still does need some help in the outfield. And Benintendi and Schwarber at the corner outfield spots is what I need in this world. Yeah. And like and that also means, you know, because you could put Nick now you can DH Nick Castellanos on the regular yeah. as he should be. I mean, similarly with the White Sox, Benintendi is not a great defender by any stretch, but he's a much better defender than what they've got out there on the regular aside from Luis Robert slash that team. Well, really, we talked really about this, John. They're not allowed to have nice things in right field. That's not they a are thing. Not. It, you know, what's crazy to me. I, something I, I saw pointed out by a White Sox fan I follow on Twitter. The White Sox have added zero players from outside the organization this season. 
Huh. They have not they have not added no trades, no no signings, no like waiver ads that have come their way. Like the, the White Sox that have been struggling <laughs> all season are exact the White Sox of April are the same as the White Sox of July, give or take some injuries. And that's just strange to me, given how much they've struggled. You'd think they wouldn't want to try to get some some additional help from somewhere else. Ben Benintendi would make a lot of sense for them, especially given how badly they struggle against right-handed pitching. Are they just uh, trying to drive like NBC Chicago into the ground? Like the poor Ozzy and uh, Pesednik cannot take any more of this, John. They I mean, Tony La Russa issued an intentional walk today on an 0-1 count yes. to Jose Ramirez because Tony La Russa is... I can't say the things I want to say about Tony La Russa because I think they technically count as defamation, but... <laughs> Well, it's also weird because I saw a tweet and I don't we won't know this for years, but like if he has played himself or managed himself out of the Hall of Fame now because of what's happening in Chicago. I, or, I don't think so. I mean, okay. LaRusso's Hall of Fame bona fides are always going to be dependent on the guys who are voting for him in that particular Veterans Committee era voting, which is to say how many friends of his and guys he's you know worked with are going to be on that committee a la Harold Baines. Uh, I mean, he, certainly I mean, he, he certainly has a is a has a deserving Hall of Fame case just based on the wins and the World Series and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But no, I, I don't think whenever his time comes for Hall of Fame consideration that anyone's going to look at his time in Chicago and go, oh, no, that's disqualifying or anything like that. It'll be weird, certainly. I think people are going to look at that and go, okay, he came back after like 15 years of retirement, was mostly bad, and then left. Mm. But I think that's something where it's like, I mean, I, I feel like there's also an understanding. It's like, hey, that happens sometimes. Guys try to come back and it doesn't work, you know? And that you can't necessarily hold that against him. I mean, look, I, I have very little, I very strongly dislike Tony LaRusso for a variety of reasons. Um, not the least of which he is an unrepentant drunk driver, which is just appalling to me. But yeah, I, I don't know that whatever happens this year in Chicago really affects his Hall of Fame odds. Again, because it's also, it's not the standard like, oh, the writers are going to vote. No, it's just, it's just whoever in that 16 person uh, or 12 person or whatever committee you know, whoever they're considering at that given point in time, how many of those guys are personally friends with Tony LaRusso? That'll be the great determination as to whether or not he gets in the Hall of Fame. That man's making the Hall of Fame. I would be, I'm, I would, I'm sure I would be floored. I, I, would have a, I would be very surprised if Tony LaRusso does not get a Hall of Fame plaque, but I don't think what happens in Chicago will make one difference one way or the other, unless he wins the World Series, and I think that would probably... <sighs> okay, we can... Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, as long as we're talking okay. fantasies. Okay, us. John. <laughs> not even a fantasy, because fantasy implies that I want to see it happen. We're just talking lunacy at this point. Yeah, I don't... Uh, something tells me that's not not in the card for the Southside Sox. Um, we'll end on this. Uh, Chris Sale, returning soon. Uh, returning tonight. He's actually pitching right now. Oh, there you go. It's tonight. Let's, okay. let's take a look and see how Chris Sale has pitched today. You better not tell me the Braves Mets update as we're doing I'm not this. Tell you the Braves Don't Mets accidentally score. do it, John. I really, really want to. I know. Okay, we are in the top of the fifth in Tampa. Uh, it's mm -hmm. Red Sox Rays. It's tied at zero. So that means Chris Sale has, by definition, tossed four shutout innings. He has given up three hits. The Red Sox are currently being no hit. I am not going to talk about that part of things. <laughs> um, against who the hell is even pitching for the Rays? This better not be a bullpen game again. Again with the bullpen no hitter. Regardless, mm. Chris Sale, uh, four shutout innings so far with three hits allowed and one walk and three strikeouts. It's Corey Kluber throwing a no hitter right now. Okay. I mean, really just the four innings. So, so far, so good for the for Chris Sale. Uh, that's obviously without seeing velocity, without seeing any of those metrics. I'm, I'll check, I'm going to check out baseball savant after this, but uh, so far, so good. For sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely big to have him back, especially because the Red Sox rotation is in absolute shambles right now. 
I think as we saw last week when they had to start like four straight rookies and the Yankees spent a lot of time beating said rookies heads in. Mm-hmm. Um, also very important because I don't really think this team has any real, I mean, they should make the playoffs, but I think they're obviously their playoff odds are better with a healthy Chris sale in the rotation or as close to a healthy Chris sales exists at this point in time. Um, Obviously, the issue is going to be how healthy and durable is he going to be going forward because Chris Sale's durability has not really been there the last few years. So very, very important that he gets through these next two weeks healthy, especially because that's going to influence, I imagine, a lot as to whether or not the Red Sox uh, target a pitcher at the deadline or you know make their decisions to what they want to do at the deadline. But yeah, so far, so good for Chris Sale. Hey, what do we learn? Just unleashing your frustration on a yes by all means just trashing (laughs) trashing stuff in a clubhouse i i always i also love these like that's just how i am i'm an idiot and it's like yeah man everyone's well aware that you're an idiot you you had a loony fit where you cut up jerseys with scissors because you didn't like the collar it's like everyone's (laughs) really clear on how stupid you are like hey that dude he's just out here i salute my tall thin king year old drake laroche like he was an adult and like your best friend it's like you very clearly have some gears upstairs that don't turn in the right direction mm-hmm. but like that's just chris sale man and it makes a lot more sense when you realize you grew up in central florida <laughs> which is a he place is florida man it is so hot and barren that i think the sun just bakes your brain into non-functionality is being a wow really taking heavy shots at our Look, florida man, listeners here lakeland florida mm-hmm. home of the detroit tigers spring training facility Mm-hmm. not a place I would recommend anyone spend any amount of time in unless you just want to see unless you want to see what like the decline of American empire like <laughs> looks like on the ground don't go to Lakeland although they do have that cool dinosaur outdoor like it's not like a tar pit but they have like an outdoor dinosaur museum with like dinosaur like fiberglass sculptures or whatever mm-hmm. so that's cool I guess <laughs> That's I'm really all Lakeland's got going for it. That and the Tigers. It's a really, really, it's not a town you should go spend any time in. I, my I'm apologies. Big Ocala, Florida, or Central Florida, Orlando, Tampa. It's never been my deal. Never I been mean, a... All of Central Florida is a wasteland. There's it's just one... a lot of, lot of money trap. There. There's nothing there except for Orlando. Yeah. There's and nothing. Someone... I'm not an Orlando guy. I went to, you know, it's weird. I've been to SeaWorld a bunch of times growing up. My parents took me there a lot, but I never went to Disney World. I've still yeah. never been. Isn't that strange? Yeah, it's why why did they pick SeaWorld over Disney? I have no idea. I don't understand it. Like I just I don't know. Very strange. Hmm. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I've been to Disney World a couple times, but yeah, I, I, I was all in on the alligator farm because there was an albino alligator and, I'm a, and that was cool. Remember that? I'm worried that given that it was in Florida that they got that alligator to be an albino by like dousing it in bleach. Let's hope not. Let's it's hope not. Florida, man. Like assume the worst when it comes to Florida. Just like always assume the worst with that state. John Taylor will end on that happy note. At uh, J.A. Taylor, uh, go subscribe to Fangraphs.com if you have not already done so. Is it storming in New York City as well? Possibly. We were supposed to get thunderstorms today. I don't think it's hitting it hard here too. So it's just funny that uh, East Tennessee and New York City, uh, the little apple and the big apple, people forget. Uh, Which one is the little apple? Oh, I think uh, East Tennessee is probably a little okay. I was going to say, New York is pretty small, especially yeah. compared to East Tennessee. People uh, forget, John. Fangraphs.com. Subscribe today, if you've not already. Uh, meanwhile, up. Albert Pujols is homered, so he's just, you know. He's gearing up. And I just saw the tweet, and Albert Pujols gives a high 10 to Nelly as he heads back to the dugout. 
There you go. Like I, I don't know why Nelly is there, but I'm going. I would love to is see he performing my in the seventh inning stretch. No, he's actually hitting behind Pujols now. Okay, so that's what I figure. Mm. Oh, and Corey Kluber is no longer uh, is no longer throwing a no hitter. So wow. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks, on your morning commute on Wednesday, uh, July 13th. You heard it here first. Heard it. <laughs> John Taylor, always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week.